24-24 right now. She's obliterating the record. Alicia Barnall is about to four-peat. The only man in history to do it. Kara Goucher, she wanted to do this event. It was important to her. Here in Duluth, how sweet it is. Her arm raised in triumph. Welcome, everybody, to the Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast, brought to you by Essentia Health. I am Zach Schneider, the Marketing and PR Director at Grandma's Marathon, and we're back again with some more of our ambassadors from this year for all of you to get to know and follow throughout their own and your journey to our race coming up in June. These folks, again, selected from a pool of more than 100 applicants to be part of our team this year, their role, quite simply, is to help us spread the word, help us answer some questions, and really just help us keep the drumbeat going ahead of our Grandma's Marathon weekend. Today on the podcast, we're joined by two of this year's Grand Ambassadors. They are Jamie Vessel and Sean Jarvis. Both of you, thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Glad. First, let's uh, talk a little bit about both of your running backgrounds. When and how did you get started in running? How long have you been doing it? What's your experience been like that brings you to being a Grand Ambassador with us as we head into 2024? Jamie, let's start with you. All right. Sounds good, Zach. Um, so in 2008, I ran my very first half marathon, and that was the Grandma's Bjork, uh, Gary Bjorklund Half Marathon. And um, for me, I started running because um, the year prior, I was diagnosed with an HIV positive diagnosis, and I wanted to become more healthy and really focus on um, my my inner strength, my working through this challenging um, diagnosis, and that's what led me to running. So I ran my first 5K in 2007, and then I thought, hey, I could run a half marathon, and I did. Um, I didn't do it well. And <laughs> I didn't strength train. I didn't do any of the things that I should do. Um, felt not the best at the end, but I was really happy that I finished. Um, so fast forward, you know, now I, um, I've i ran quite a few half marathons. I've ran four full marathons, two of them in grandma's. And I live about an hour north of uh, Duluth, Minnesota, so I live up on the Iron Range, and um, Duluth is one of my favorite cities to visit, and Grandma's is one of my favorite races, and I'm just very passionate about it. John, what about you? What brought you uh, to being a Grand Ambassador this year? Uh, well, I'll start with how I started running and get into that. Um, so I'm actually... I'm the kid in high school who quit tennis because I didn't want to run laps around the tennis court. And I didn't start running until about seven, it'll be eight years ago. Um, I was very heavy and I had weight loss surgery in 2016. Um, and after that, I found that cardio, like, you know, the elliptical and everything wasn't giving me what I needed. So I started just going out for little runs around uh, the day McCoska in Minneapolis and then um, really just loved the run. I could get in, get out of my head and really actually felt great, um, you know, exercise wise. And then my friend Jamie here said, Hey, let's do a Halloween half marathon. And that, so that was, uh, five months after my first actual run and I was hooked. And so then my first grandma's came into play the following spring, a cousin of my mom was a, is a runner and she had the, uh, 
entry for Great Grandma's Challenge, but it was the half marathon and 5K combo. And so she asked me if I wanted to do it, and I did. And so that was my first grandma's. Totally loved it because it was my first really big uh, race, you know, event with the the ex- exhibition and everything. So that grandma's was my first really, really big one and really hooked me in. So ever since then, it's got a, you know, it's a special place in your heart on your running journey. Um, I have ran several of the halves and I have ran uh, my second full marathon was at grandma's as well. We've heard this story before from from people who have maybe not been runners before, or even if they have, whose first race is with us during Grandma's Marathon Weekend. And, and those are the people especially that tend to keep coming back uh, year after year. And you two for, certainly fit that bill. Sean, what is it about the race that is so special to you? I mean, you mentioned the lake and the the scenic race course that we have here, but what is it about Grandma's Marathon Weekend that keeps you coming back for more? Uh, that's a tough question because there's a lot. I think, you know, again, it's a connection to my first one, but it, it's an interesting race. You know, there's a number of races I've done where there's never anybody cheering. And even at Grandma's, those first, you know, first, especially from the half and the full, for that long while, there's no, you know, there's a few people here and there, but then as you get closer into Duluth, it, it, the streets just start to get lined. You start to see people cheering. There's, you know, everyone having, it's just a, it's an overall feel that I think for a race weekend, um, having the fact that the city itself and everyone who lives there really just, it, it, it's an event for everyone, whether you're running or not, it's an event to cheer, it's an event to participate in. And I think that's, um, I've done a lot of a lot of other races since since my grandma's and there's a number of them where you run near entire 13 miles and you might see 10 people cheering and it's really kind of sad. And I think that energy that grandma's has is part of what draws me back every year. Jamie, you're nodding along along to a lot of uh, what Sean's saying here. Is that really what you feel as well? What would you say to somebody who maybe hasn't done this race before uh, and is thinking about doing it or maybe already signed up to do it for the first time this June? So uh, definitely what oh, um, I'd like to echo what Sean said. Um, so one of the things that I really love about this race is, you know, whether you're running the the half or the full, the, um, the camaraderie between the runners at the beginning of the race, getting excited before the, um, before it starts, before the gun goes off and you start running. And then once you start get, well, first, when you start coming up to Lake Superior, you see the lake, you have these beautiful views. And if it's a beautiful day, uh, it feels quite amazing to get a nice breeze off the lake. <laughs> and then um, coming into Duluth and seeing everybody. And then, I mean, just so many people cheering you on. Somebody like It's like a big party in the town. And how could you not love that, right? <laughs> so, you know, the other thing I'd like to add is, um, you know, when I was, I went back to college in 2012 um, and I worked at a hotel on Canal Park and I got to see the race from that that side of it and um the employees that work behind the scenes really have fun with it as well and you feel that when you're there you feel all that energy and that's pretty contagious yeah it's one of the things we're thankful for as a staff and uh as people that are around the race year round is the 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 community really does open up its arms to our participants on race weekend. And we certainly couldn't have the same type of experience, uh, like you say, without some of their work and their support. And so it does not go unnoticed, as uh, Jamie mentions, by the participants or certainly by the staff or or other people associated with the race. So, um, well, you two are here primarily to talk today about 
strength training and nutrition. And as it pertains to the next several months, uh, you and uh, we're talking here just before Thanksgiving. So there's still plenty of time uh, for people to get training and to get ready for our race weekend in June. A lot of the big training plans don't start until after the turn of the year, but uh, we've talked to some other people on the podcast and on the blog about what participants can be doing to get their base layer of endurance uh, during this time, even though it's maybe not part of a a normal or a, a regimented training plan. But I want to start with the strength training part of what we're going to talk about today, because oftentimes we hear from people who are training most oftentimes from for their first distance race, whether it be a half marathon or a full marathon, and they're not taking the time to focus on strength training along with the endurance part of it and getting the miles in. And we know that that's natural when you think of running a long race, you you want to get the miles on your legs. But by a general rule of thumb, it's not necessarily the way that most people uh, should approach their training. And we do want to say the three of us, not necessarily experts in this field. Uh, we do have a, a longstanding uh, podcast uh, program with our partners at Essentia Health, and we'll get into some of that with the more experts. Jamie and Sean are talking uh, largely from experience. Um, but Jamie, why should people spend time focusing on strength training, not just now, but really throughout the duration of their training uh, program. What benefits have you seen uh, in your experience from that? So I would say probably the biggest benefit is injury prevention, Um, creating stability in your core, your hip while you're running. Um, You know, as much as we love running, um, we spend a lot of time putting in those miles. But when you strength train, you give your body the ability to withstand the miles that you're putting in. So, you know, think of like everything that you go into the gym to do um, has purpose behind it. And that purpose is to, you know, maybe make your stride stronger. Maybe, you know what I mean? Just every aspect of that gym workout. Don't just go into the gym thinking, um, I'm just going to work out. I'm just going to do a few things and it's going to be great. And, and it will, it will, you'll benefit from it, but put a little bit of purpose behind what you're doing. And, um, and if you need help, reach out to a run coach or a personal trainer or somebody like that to help you with that, that strength training aspect. But for me, biggest thing would be injury prevention because you know what, 15 years into running, I, I still injure myself. <laughs> and, um, I, I do my best to try to recover from it and move forward, but, um, you know, are human. Yeah. It's one of the biggest things that we talk with uh, our partners at Essentia Health and all the medical staff that go into the race is yes, they're there on race day to help us with the people that need them, but their biggest wish is that people would spend the time doing what you're talking about and helping themselves prevent some of these injuries in the buildup because it will help you on race day. Sean, anything to add to to what Jamie's talking about, about just the importance over the next several months for participants to be focused on the strength training side of things? Um, It's pretty much the same. I echo what Jamie said. I definitely, my own experiences is I've had some injuries in the last couple of years. And um, when I reflect on how and why, that's also been a period of time where my strength training program hasn't actually been an integral part of my off season or season at all. 
And so I can definitely see the impact personally of how that's done and then of how my injuries happen and also how much longer it takes to then bounce back from the injury because you, you really lose everything that you're at. And, you know, it, when I think about when I first started doing my running longer races, I was actually working with a personal trainer and he was amazing because I didn't see him for running. It was just, I hate trying to figure out what to do on the strength training floor. So every other week I met with him and then he knew I was running. So he would actually encourage, you know, or include um, exercises that also help with my core, my glutes, my hamstrings. And not that we're all always thinking about speed, but when I think, look back at my race memories or my running memories from like five years ago to now, I was almost two minutes faster. And it's truly because I was also stronger in my legs, you know, in my, in those, in those areas where those large muscle groups are that actually help you. So it's, um, it's one of those things that we all neglect as runners when we start putting on the miles, but there's definitely a reason for it. Um, and, and I, I speak from personal experience. I have two injuries that totally, I would say came from lack of strength training. And then the climb back has definitely been longer than it would have been otherwise. Does it help break up the monotony a little bit of the training as well? I mean, so many first-time marathoners look at the the training plan and they see a six-mile run followed by a nine-mile run, capped off by a 12-mile run on, on your weekend with your long run. And, and that can be daunting when you just think about the running portion of it. But if every other day you're getting in the gym doing something a little bit different, it has to, to break things up a little bit too throughout the process. For sure. I, I think, you know, getting into the gym, whether it's strength training, doing yoga, anything, you know, even cross training, getting on a spin bike or doing elliptical or, you know, going out and playing kickball, whatever it is, um, all of it just makes it a little bit more fun. Like you said, it it, it um, kind of makes it a little bit more exciting that you're not doing the same thing all the time. As much as I love running and I wish I could do it every day, um, I do enjoy having a little variety as well. And Sean, we're not talking about going out and, and maybe some people can or some people want to, but it's not go out and lift as much weight as you can. Uh, that's not necessarily the strength training that you need to be doing and, and making yourself super sore for the next day's long run or anything like that. This this can be done in a fairly uh, uh, I guess tiered way where you're not going out and, and lifting uh, maybe the, the heavy lifts that uh, we maybe most associate with strength training. Right. I mean, I don't do heavy lifting. I'll, even when I was training, I didn't. It was more, you know, moderate. Uh, a lot of core body exercises is what I tend to do or what I've done with trainers in the past. And so, yeah, you don't need to be, because I find like that if I go do a killer workout, lots of heavy weights, I am so sore the next day, I have an absolutely horrible run. And that's not where I want to be mentally because it takes its own toll just in my mind of, well, that was a bad run. How am I going to come back from that? I, you know, as much as we hate sit-ups, we do sit-ups, right? As much as we hate some of those core exercises, they actually have some of the biggest impact. And um, I'm in a running group here in Phoenix and we actually, every Tuesday after our run, we do finishers and they're all core, core, they're all core focused. And so I actually find the value in those sometimes even more so than, than going and lifting 300 pounds on the weight floor. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't, it, to me, and Jamie knows this because we've, we've been friends for a long time and we've been gym buddies for a while too, is I absolutely hate free weight. And so if you're going to push me to be on the gym doing 
gym floor lifting 100 pounds. It's not going to happen. I am better off with, it doesn't have to be machines. It can be dumbbells, but things that are a little more targeted, a little bit realistic and leave me feeling stronger without feeling like I just killed myself trying to lift a 300 pounds. Yeah, as Jamie and, and Sean have both said, I mean, the the best way to do this is to, if you're unsure about what to do, get in touch with a personal trainer in your area. They'd be more than happy to help you out and, and come up with a program that works for you. But certainly you can reach out to, to, to the two of them, uh, find out more of the exercises that have worked for, for them uh, and see if that can be uh, added to your training schedule over the next several months. I, I do want to move on to the other part uh, that of our conversation and, and another big part of anyone's training plan uh, when you're talking about a marathon or a half marathon, and that's nutrition. And I think this part is maybe less overlooked than the strength training part of it. Uh, but again, so many people are focused on the miles and getting out for the runs and that leads to less energy, less time being put on what you're putting into your body and how that relates to how you're feeling on a run. But it's it's such a an important part. We've said, you know, through this podcast series where we're trying to give some of these tips that when you sign up to do a distance run, it's a lifestyle choice. And so what tips would you have? Uh, what's worked for you too over the years? Jamie, um, we'll, we'll start with you. What's been the, the big tips that you've taken home or the big lessons that you've learned from a nutritional standpoint? So, um, I, you know, good question. So, uh, I just kind of want to mention when back in 2008, when I did my first half marathon, I did not have a nutrition plan. I did not have a strategy, anything. And that was the reason why I ended the race. Well, that, in the strength training component, but um, that's the reason why it felt horrible when I was done. I was dehydrated. I didn't have the nutrition. I didn't have the um, electrolytes. So now, now is a great time to start figuring that portion out. Like, test what um, what um, you know, gels or gummies or whatever you want to take on your runs, your long runs. Start that now, um, just to kind of see what you like. Maybe you don't really have to dive it down quite yet, but, um, nail it down quite yet, but it's a good time to start thinking about, it. start thinking about, um, you know, the fluids that you're going to take in things like that, but then also what you're going to eat outside of racing. Um, what's your every day, you know, I don't, um, I definitely don't eat, um, a 100% healthy diet all the time, <laughs> but, um, I try to keep it pretty healthy most of the time. And I think it's a good time to start figuring that stuff out too. Sean, how about you? What are some of the the general rules of thumb when it comes to nutrition for you? Um, well, uh, like Jamie, when I first started running, I had no idea. I mean, what nutrition in the middle of a race? What I'm not doing that. And it, it was definitely a a you know for me, it's been a really big learning curve because in the initial when I initially started, I was fresh off of weight loss surgery and my stomach. There was a limit to what I, I could take in at any given time. So part of it was learning how to balance getting enough without injuring my body that way, but then also not injuring myself from not being fed and, 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 and fully ready to run. Um, so it is truly the biggest thing is like Jamie said, is figure it out. Now, do you like noon? Do you like goo? Do you like all you can, all those different things. Everyone likes something different and all of it works with your body differently. And the last thing you want to do is figure it out. Like on, on your 20 mile run a week before training, and then you're sick. 
And um, I think uh, the other thing I've learned with it is, you know, we always fall into this and I'm going to get in trouble for this one, but we always fall into that. We need to go eat the big spaghetti dinner at four o'clock the night before the race. And the reality is your big heavy carb meal should really be your lunch meal the day before a race, right? Because you need a little more time to truly absorb those carbs. So that's one of the things I've learned. And then the other thing, cause I, I, as I mentioned, I live in Phoenix, I moved here a year ago. So I just went through my first summer of running in hundred degree weather and drinking water the morning of is not hydrating your body for a run later in the day. It's, it's actually, what did you drink the day before? How much water did you drink yesterday to be fully hydrated for a run today? And um, I had to really start thinking about that with the change in the climate I run in, but it, it truly makes a difference. If you wake up in the morning, you're like, well, I'm going to go for a run in three hours and you start drinking water. It doesn't do you any good. It's what did you do yesterday? Cause that's what your body feels today. And also don't be afraid to try your electrolytes because some of them, I, we actually, I use liquid IV all the time. I'm dropping product names and I don't know if I'm supposed to or not, but it's what works for me. But putting electrolytes in your water bottle, even like a couple of hours ahead of your run to just give you that initial boost before you hit the trail or the, the path is a huge, a huge help in just how you feel and how it, how it goes. Yeah, we won't slap your wrist too hard about the spaghetti dinner because that opens at 11 o'clock. So if you'd rather have a, a big lunch the day before, then you can do that. But, you know, nutrition is is one of those things. And even training plans or strength training, you know, it's so individualized that there is no one right answer. Uh, right. You know, the two of you have different plans from one another. You're going to have different plans from nearly everyone who's who's listening to this episode, but one of the things that we encourage people to do and, and some of the most successful participants that we see, not necessarily the fastest and, and the people that are winning, but people that are participating year after year, continually feel good, continually finish, are very meticulous in how they prepare for race weekend. And I, and I mean that by saying, Take notes of what you're eating, what you're drinking before those long runs, know how it affects you and experiment. And this is, as Jamie said, this is the time to be doing that. And hopefully you can have things dialed in come June. But it seems like the two of you have, have learned from that uh, maybe experimentation and have things uh, for yourselves pretty well dialed in at this point. Definitely. And it's true. Now is the time to figure it out. Don't, you know... The training plan doesn't say, oh, hey, I'm doing a 20 mile today. Let's test a, a, a new product. But the reality is when you're going out for a three or a five mile in you know, December, your easy runs, as I like to call them, this is the time to try a new goo and see how it made you feel. Did it really sit well with you? Did it not? Did, you know, and you figure it out now so that when you get into those long, those long, long training days that are already long enough, you actually feel good after because you're already using what works for your body then. Right. And I, I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest things. And I have a lot of good notes, but I actually, right now, I don't really know what my preferred nutrition is. It's going to be a new experiment this season. Cause I, I feel like I need to find one because I haven't been the best about carrying one with me on the course and I'm not really sure which one it is right now. All right. It's all good stuff. And unfortunately it boils down to, we're just encouraging everybody out there to, to do their own work and to find out what works for them. There is no master class on marathoning. Uh, unfortunately, we can only provide you the, uh, the, 
tools and the the lessons by tough beats that these two have learned uh, over their years of of running our race and several others. I do want to close the episode and it doesn't necessarily have to be a topic that we've covered uh so far. Uh I think we've we've hit those pretty good, but I want each from each of you one pearl of wisdom, one final parting uh words of wisdom. What's one thing that people listening here today, and, and we have a wide variety of people who listen from first-time marathoners, first-time people to our event, to, to veterans, but what's one thing that you can say to help them prepare uh, for Grandma's Marathon Weekend in June? So um, one of the things that I I started doing this last January with some of my long runs and post um, races is I, I've kept like a very kind of small journal as to what worked and what didn't and what hurt and what didn't. <laughs> so if I needed to strength train something and thinking, okay, this is what kind of poked out, peaked out when I was running or um, yeah, just maybe keep a little journal and above all, just have fun. You're there to have fun. So enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the process. Well, it's a really tough one because I can come up with a lot of pearls, right? You know, so Jamie already talked about making notes. I don't keep a journal, but I always kind of mentally think about what happened this time that didn't go well or what should I do different? Um, I think the biggest thing for me is I always hear from so many runners that training is almost worse than, than the event itself, right? And part of it's because you're doing so many more hours of running in the week than you actually are the day of. And I always try to find myself like, I'm out here to run. And yeah, it might be 20 miles this week and it might be 18 the week after or whatever. It's still just, a, for me, it's, I'm not supposed to say just, it's a run. And find the joy in that run. Yes, it's a run, but it's a run that that day's run and run somewhere you haven't run before or whatever, so that you you continue to find joy in it, even though you are doing your training miles, which are far more than the miles you'll run the day of. All right. Well, thank you both. That's it for this episode. Uh, thanks so much to to both Jamie and to Sean for joining us and talking about uh, their experience and the buildup uh, to this year's Grandma's Marathon Weekend. If the people listening want to follow you too, or maybe ask some follow-up questions uh, on social media about either strength training or nutrition or anything else, really, uh, what's the best place uh, on social media that they can find you, Jamie? So I'm on Instagram at jamies.journey.in.life and on Facebook as Jamie Joseph. And how about you for Sean? Um, well, I'm stjbear30 on Instagram. And I will actually say these days, that's the best place to find me. I'm, I'm, I'm answering messages, hit a comment on my post, I'll respond. That's, that's probably the best place to, find, to hit me up. Yeah, these two are, are experienced in our race. They're experienced in other people's uh, or other events as well. So feel free to uh, to use their experience. That's what they're there for. That's why they're Grand Ambassadors, and we're very happy to, to have them on board. So thank you again, both of you, for, for joining us. This Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast is brought to you by Essentia Health. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends. Grandma's Marathon proudly presented by Toyota, Members Cooperative Credit Union, and ASICS. I'm Zach Schneider. Until next time, everyone, be well.